Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Howdy there. What's going on? Hey, what's up? Hey, hi, I'm Matt. It's me. I'm here with my friend EJ. Hi, EJ. Hi, Matt. Uh, it's me, EJ. I'm hi. here with my friend Matt. Hi, we're here, and this is just dads reading books. We're just, just hey, dads reading just books. dads reading books. That's what we've decided to call this, I guess. we It feels good. That felt good. Did that feel good to you? I actually really liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I really like that. It, it flows pretty well. Just dads reading books. Uh, we are a podcast that talks about books we want our kids to read, and we, we hope our kids read. Or sometimes if we read a book and we don't like it, we're like, oh, I really hope my kid doesn't get into this one. But uh, we'll never prevent them from reading a book. But we will judge them. Correct. And yeah, it's not necessarily a podcast about books that we want them to read. Right. It's about exploring the space. Yes. Now, we've kind of cheated this week, oh, Matt. Oh, boy, did we cheat. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've already read this week's book, uh, which is The Rise of mm-hmm. Kyoshi by F.C.E. This is in the Avatar, The Last Airbender universe. So prime young adult novel stuff, kids book stuff, right? And uh, EJ and I have already read this book before, but ding dang it, we like it so much, we had to read it again, Uh, and it hit just as good the second time, huh? Better, even, I would say. (laughs) Like, I thought maybe knowing what was coming was uh, going to, uh, you know, make me not feel as strongly, but it's it's Mm -mm. a banger all the way through and through. I I was actually going to say we cheated mostly because... This kind of falls outside of the genre of kids' books. Boy, if anybody listening has watched the Avatar TV show, mm-hmm. you would know that it, it also is like a, it's a kid's show, but boy, it really doesn't, like, there's a few kids' <laughs> really jokes in like it, one. but it doesn't hit like one. It, it's it's for everybody. It's a whole family thing that we can all cry yeah. at together. Yeah. And this book definitely falls in that tradition yeah uh and you know what it is it really comes down to what we talked about in our first episode the percy jackson Mm -hmm. book which was just that the avatar universe is so good at not Mm -hmm. talking down to kids it's just it's like you you'll figure it out you'll catch up you'll know what uh, and i i i was thinking about this a lot the other day uh while listening to this book because of just how hard it goes i mean people die left and right in this book this book is full of death Um, so you're like wow oh do i want my kid to read that i don't know man have you ever read beowulf (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs) kids have been kids have been being told stories that don't hold back for a long 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 time and it's only in the last like i don't know 50 years 70 years that people have been like Mm -hmm. maybe it should all be stars and rainbows that's that's (laughs) like a new thing and i think avatar is like no these are legends these are stories these are tales these are fables and they are steeped in reality and reality is sometimes cold yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like uh, yeah. There was like this period of time where Hansel and Gretel was like, it's yeah. like, hey, don't wander off in the woods. You might get eaten by a witch." And so like, <laughs> now, you know, we've yes, we've definitely uh, we've definitely kind of moved back into that yeah. sort of genre of like 
yeah. of like, you know, theme, you can introduce heavy themes to kid. I saw pay it forward at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can do that, right? Like <laughs> right. you can introduce themes that are kind of like heavy mm-hmm. uh, and let your kids kind of deal with them. And I think it's really actually healthy to kind yeah. of deal with them. Well, because guess what? That's what the real world is going to have in it. And so yeah. giving kids coping mechanisms for trauma uh, is actually uh, deeply useful, I would say. Mm-hmm. And this book has all sorts of that in it, and it's not in just hokey ways. This Okay, let's talk about what Rise of Kiyoshi actually is then. Yeah, uh, I do want to start out before anything else. Um, Michael Dante DiMartino starts with a foreword in this book. Yeah. Um, which I think is, you know, I think it's nice to hear from the person who created this source material in mm-hmm. this case. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only does he speak at the beginning of this book, it seems like he offered his, his, his like blessing in yeah, a way. Yeah. Um, like it's almost like he read this and he was like, Oh, can I write a forward actually? Yeah, Cause right. uh, I think that, I think it would be really cool to like say something about how great of a job I think you did, FCE. Yeah. Listen, I think Avatar and Legend of Korra are quite good. I watched them uh, in the kind of months where my firstborn child was a tiny infant. That was my 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. feeding session uh, show. I would watch an episode of Avatar every single morning at like 3 a.m. or whatever. And then that bled into Korra, and that's when I got into this stuff. I almost would hesitate to say FCE is better. Like FCE writes even better than all of that stuff because the kids show is still plenty often a kids show. Even Cora. Cora's like aged up, it feels like. Yeah, Um, Cora's like uh, for 12 to 16. Sure, something like that. This is for like 16 plus almost. Yeah, I mean, I'll still let, I'll let my kid read any any old age, but there's stuff in it that might just completely go over their head. This book is... um, a couple generations back, Kiyoshi is a known figure. If you've watched mm-hmm. the show, you know Kiyoshi exists. She is an avatar from, what, two cycles before Aang. There's Aang, Correct. there's Roku, is that his name? And then yeah, there's uh, Kiyoshi. And so you sort of have some details in your brain about Kiyoshi, but you don't know that much. And this book is her story. So it's, you know, right. it's a number, it's about a century before Aang. Actually, well, it's it's two centuries before Aang, right? Because Aang's avatar has a century of him being frozen, whatever. So this is like, it feels back in time, whereas Korra feels like a a notable step forward in technological advancement. Mm -hmm. Kyoshi is a step, a slight step backwards, but not too much. It doesn't feel like there's like a huge technological growth or anything, but you do get a huge different feeling of how some of the nations are organized how the political conflicts are are feeling yeah. out at the moment because all this predates uh what is later known as the 100 years war is that what it's called something like that there's a hundred ah, year yes, problem goofy. the whole thing the beginning of and then one day the fire nation attacked and they did a right, thing they, right. they committed genocide on all of the air nation this is how deep this book gets like yeah. a, a mainstay of the avatar story deals with genocide Right. This yeah. is how little the this series talks down to kids. So this is just Kiyoshi's story, and essentially Kiyoshi's story is that at the time of uh, this avatar being looked for, um, there's a, there's a known cycle. So like the Earth Nation knows to be looking for an avatar. Right. And. They're having excruciating difficulty doing that. They're failing. They botch it. They completely botch it. They botch it really bad. Yeah. Uh, it, it it does introduce that really early on where you're like, it, it's kind of interesting because they almost never botch anything in the show. Right. And this whole book is just about like 
just disaster after disaster. It's like, it's so much more human in some ways than like some of the things that happen in the show. Like obviously there's like, you know, Aang running away and things Mm -hmm. like that, that happened in the first, in the first series. And obviously a lot that Korra deals with as well, which is just like, uh, you know, just compiling all of this pressure on them. Right. That's kind of how the show works. Whereas this kind of takes a different angle on that, mm-hmm. on the compiling of the pressure. The pressure's actually not there until it is, and right. then it all comes down at once, yes. kind of, on Kiyoshi, because she doesn't even know that she's the Avatar. Right. Because she's even afra- she's too afraid to earthbend for right. most of the first half of this book because she can only move mountains. She can't move pebbles. It's <laughs> a weird little the, thing where she's right. like way too good for her she's own good. The, yeah. Right. So the whole thing is they mistake someone else for the avatar. And so a big and, part of the beginning of the book is Kiyoshi ends up being like a servant of who yeah. people think is the avatar. And you meet um, this character named John Shu. So at the, at the helm of all of this is sort of uh, this figure who was a notable um, friend of the previous avatar and is essentially mm-hmm. sort of this major political influence within the earth kingdom. Yeah. And he is sort of the one tasked primarily with fine. It's the whole earth nation's job, but John Shu is like kind of singularly responsible for making this. Right. Work. So the fact that he's failing at it is uh, a huge reason for him to start flailing. And John Shu is introduced as perhaps a perfect villain in this book because yeah. you get a an exact justification for why he's doing all the things he's doing. You you start off for a while being on his side. Hey, he's just he's he's this noble yeah. person, and and the book very very slowly doles out more and more information about John Shu and why he is the antagonist. And for a while, you were just like, oh, he's just kind of an antagonist, but it's like it's more complicated than that, and it definitely yeah. is. But as the book progresses, a, a darker truth is constantly yeah. being brought Reveal. to the surface yeah. about John Shu. Um, and that's what makes it so satisfying of an arc over the whole thing is it's not some cartoonish villain that's just like obviously bad. There mm-hmm. are judgments Kiyoshi lays on John Shu that sometimes you're like, well, you're just a kid. I actually kind of understand that you like you're mad yeah. and th- he did bad things, but he's also not wrong that things can be deeply more complicated. Yeah. Complex. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's very much uh, ushered to you in a way that that like invites someone to to like understand where all of these characters are coming from even if you don't mm-hmm. agree with them you understand right that's a key difference you can understand why someone does evil acts and still disagree with them and i think that's an important lesson that this book like very very well lays out well it's a, it's just good writing right like when mm-hmm. we talk about really good writers what they do is is they create excellent motivations for everybody right, right? you create logical motivations so this is something that this book does really well every single character mm-hmm. has not just singular motivations but motivations right they have right. they have a complex system of motivations kiyoshi has a complex system of motivations every single character isn't good or bad just based on archetypes they are good or bad based on these motivations right yeah. they're based on based on how their worldview how they develop a worldview you know it, it's it's something that i would definitely if i were a writing coach i would say if you're going to do good character writing you start with yeah. you know who is this person right you start with what has happened to this person that has made this person believe the things that they believe and so right. yeah like you were saying john shu is an excellent um 
he's just an excellent heel for a long time, and mm-hmm. then he turns into an excellent antagonist, and, right. and eventually, basically, a supervillain. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? So, so, uh, but I do want to talk real quickly about the person who uh, was they initially think is the Avatar, right. who is Yoon, because he is actually the perfect Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you actually really like this guy, and you're actually like, well, maybe Kiyoshi shouldn't be the Avatar because right. this guy is actually. <laughs> like kind of perfect for the mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. And and so like they, you go through most of the book with like, we know that's the other thing. There's a lot of pretext here because right. it's like, obviously we know if you've seen any of anything, yeah. you know, yeah. In, if in you watch the show, you already know. And you know, the book is called right. rise of Kiyoshi. It's like you go into this and the first few chapters are all intentionally leading you on with this. It's like, well, we know, we know what's going to happen, but how, how is it going to, ha- how are we going to get past how, right. how, bad this is going to be once it's revealed basically but and, but and yoon being amazing time. is part of that right is, is kind right. of what you're getting at it's like this idea like yoon is a perfect avatar and we all know this isn't gonna work out which is really gonna <laughs> suck for everybody involved yeah yeah well and but the other thing is, is even if you took the title of the book out what makes this book so good is the fact that if you haven't seen anything mm-hmm. if you ha- don't know this universe if you didn't read the title of the book you might actually believe that Yoon or Kiyoshi could be the avatar. Right. Like that's the other thing. It sets it up in a really, really just just a perfect way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It doesn't It sets it up anything. in a way where you're like, well, maybe either one of them could be. There are even times in the book where I'm like, I know Kiyoshi's the avatar, <laughs> but maybe Yoon is. <laughs> you know, but maybe she's not. You know, yeah. hopefully she's not. Sometimes <laughs> just by the way she acts, you know, like and it's not her fault, obviously. Yeah. Like she's She's been, uh, you know, given all of these disadvantages. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say of the avatars we know of, or at least have had uh, some sort of story written about them, uh, Kiyoshi is by far the least privileged, right? Yeah, right. Uh, in in a lot of ways, right? It's. I was thinking about this today. Of it's. It, I was about to say this thing of like Kiyoshi seems the most off the beaten path avatar of ones we yeah. know of. Now, obviously, that's not true avatar or ang's story is like very off the beat yeah it's kind of wild but ang's storyline is so interrupted with the hundred years of him being trapped in ice that it's a whole different it's a whole different kind of thing ang's coming up in a time where people just think the avatar is completely gone this culture very much tells a story of the avatar is like at the center of all political strife the whole ecosystem Mm -hmm. is dependent on the avatar on the avatar and so the fact that the avatar could be could come from anywhere and could be mistaken like this and could be left without the proper training right the idea is that they're supposed to catch and find the avatar super fast so they can put them in their ivory tower and train them very very well and they're ready to go out and be a goodly you know avatar it's Mm -hmm. very much similar to it so kiyoshi's story is like what if the king of a country was discovered when they were 16 years old and they've been like an orphan and homeless for most of their life what if you just yeah. suddenly found out that was your king and they have all of their history going into their life now that you have to uh, deal with? Yeah, the princess diaries, uh, yeah. essentially. Yeah, of, exactly. exactly. <laughs> of, of the world, right? It's uh, Yeah, you don't know until you're 16, of course. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. But, uh, but essentially, yeah, this book... 
uh, does a really good job. It's just such a good, I, I will say Star Wars should stay away from politics, right? Like, the, you know, how like the prequels like are <laughs> yeah, all yeah. about just like these trade like, negotiations. Internet, like, who yeah. cares, right? And this this should get more into it. Oh, absolutely. It is just like every single time that there's like the, everything is so nuanced. Man. Yeah, man. It's so it's, nuanced. It's so good. This is George R. R. Martin quality yeah. stuff. And I'm not yeah. kidding. And I love a song of ice and fire like i love those books for all of the depth that is in each character's personal struggle and how that ties into a constant like global conflict that you yeah. can feel like you you get a bird's eye view while also getting in each of these characters heads the the magic of that is this book basically alternates between Kiyoshi's perspective and John Shu's perspective. Yeah, it's half John Shu. So you are in John Shu's head for a lot of this book and yeah. he knows everybody. He knows yeah. everyone that matters in the world and he knows yep. what the repercussions for each action is going to be and yeah, I I get really really into Avatar stuff and it's because the writing of it is so good at that world building. Um, I think we're both kind of trying to avoid big spoilers of like the <laughs> scope of this book because I, yeah. I genuinely think you should just go read it. Yeah. So to maintain that, we should just talk more and more about what this does for the world building. Yeah. Um, because it's, it is, yeah, you, like you're saying, it is doled out in such a good way where I, I can't get enough of the idea that we can follow a character's motivations like you were talking about but you are constantly reckoned with how those motivations bounce off of not just every other character's motivations, but like the will of the social good <laughs> or whatever. Um, right. Every Everything comes back to how important this is going to be in in terms of like the political stability. Um, because what fascinates me about the Avatar is the Avatar is basically a superhero but in a world where like every, a lot of people are sort of suit are like half superheroes. They're just like, oh, mm -hmm. I do all four of the things. Right. That makes me kind of extra special because I do all four of the things. But that right. doesn't make you unstoppable. That doesn't make you. You, you are not yeah. a god until you do the crazy thing where they can do this whole thing where they like enter the <laughs> avatar state <laughs> until they are kind of. <laughs> but most of the time they're not. But right. But just by virtue of existing they hold this political power and so every avatar story is innately political which is why like there's an upcoming um rpg that's going to come out um that is for avatar it's the, you know the avatar the last airbender tabletop role-playing game and yeah. the thing that is interesting to me about it is it's very still focused on like being based on avatar things whereas like you were just talking about with star wars star wars it's so popular to like think about just like i just want to think about a story that happens out on the outer rim and has nothing to yeah. do with anything else and that yeah. really fits i don't see the value of that kind of a story in like the avatar environment like avatar no. is a deeply political right. environment it's a political thing to talk about in the same way that game of thrones it's like i don't care about just like a story of someone else from winterfell what are they up right. to like i don't care if their storyline doesn't in some way contribute to the, the large political story, story right. yeah, I, I have no value in it, and and I think Avatar has that same trait. Yeah, you go into some of the episodes that you see, like the Last Airbender, for instance. It, when you talk about like politics, it, we're talking about every scale of it yeah. too. Yeah, it isn't 
that that's what's so interesting about it is the fact that he he or she is supposed to be this this guiding force no matter the situation right like one of the worst episodes at quote unquote like you'll see it ranked really low Mm -hmm. um on like that last airbender is uh is that episode where he's like guiding the two families through the the canyon or whatever oh yeah and (laughs) it's like not very good and it's kind of but it but it makes the larger point that the avatar um can creatively in some ways and in a lot of ways just like in any way they can needs to try and and (laughs) even sort out the smallest problems sometimes right now we don't see a lot of that in this book we don't see a lot of you know sorting out of problems but what we do get is the reverence of the role there's a lot of reverence towards the avatar and I think that's what's interesting about how the story evolves, right? There's a ton of reverence for the Avatar all the way up to Roku. Yeah. And then the war happens and and Aang disappears. Right. And that hundred years, the entire, I mean, you have to think the the thing that has been keeping the world in balance and not just in balance, like with the the elements, but in balance as in. Yeah. Peace treaties right, and right. ways of thinking, <laughs> and even the smallest battles, right? Yeah, like all right. of these things uh, come together to like now. It's like we got to figure it out on our own. Yeah. The Fire Nation's like wanting to take over the world. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. So it's so it takes sometimes it takes all the little nuances and then and then just like spikes it up to a hundred. So right. so just looking at this story on that timeline, you can really see how it evolves in that way and i yeah. think that this is really good perspective yeah i i like that as a as sort of a centering point too for how did things get to where they get before mm-hmm. the hundred years or like in seeing the great failing of the earth nation and the turmoil this is going to cause right you can sort of build the path to like and then yeah. the next one's going to be a fire nation and then the fire nation kind of gets a little uppity about all of yep. this and says you know what actually let's break the cycle and let's just take over and do our whole thing you know ourselves like it it, it starts to make sense how this this avatar cycle is a burden on this world and that yeah. even feeds into then your viewing of Korra. It's like I want to finish these other books. There's there's a there's a second book we're definitely going to follow up like right away. There's Shadows of Kiyoshi. Uh, I think yeah. we both definitely want. We we have not read that one. We at haven't all. read that one. And yet. so we want to get into that one. And then FCE has just written another book um, about two more steps back is Yang Chen. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's an airbending uh, female avatar from two steps before Kiyoshi. And I'm I'm interested in what that one's even going to be right, about because we don't need Kirk's story. I don't I don't care about Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because Kirk's story a lot of Kirk's story is told in is this in book. Here. The whole thing of Kirk is that he was young and he died young and and uh, like yeah these the the story of all these last few avatars is like how much this construct this idea of what mm-hmm. the avatar is had gone for so many years that of course it was doomed to fail. Which is then why Aang and Korra's stories make so much more sense. Like, you know, in in Korra's things, spoiler warning, I don't know. In Korra's things, she, like, ends the cycle and and throws it all out because maybe the world has been a little bit too steeped in tradition. Korra's whole show is very much a, like, step forward technologically and all of these ways it's a rebirth of everything it's trying to say at some point these old traditions will have to to die out or change or be reframed because they they can't persist in this way they not only can they not persist because just like 
it's difficult to do that, but also it's dangerous because people will take advantage of it. John Shu being a perfect example of yeah. that, right? If these things become reliable, then someone will exploit that because that is the danger of societies. That's that's the stuff. Imagine my 12-year-old <laughs> so daughter good. in some way understanding this. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why these yeah, books are yeah, so yeah. good. Is She's not going to like piece together all these thoughts that like I hope involves so. I, I mean, but I hope they'll be in her brain you know what i mean <laughs> right that she yeah, will yeah, understand yeah. it it's it's that old thing yeah. of you might not understand it but your brain does <laughs> like, right yeah your brain like takes in all these concepts and is like i don't really understand what a lot of this means also this book is just i mean the first time we read it we sent each other quotes yeah. on quotes oh my in this book this book is this book's like, I mean, it's good. Yeah. Uh, top to bottom, uh, the writing just like, and sometimes those stinging, stinging quotes yeah. that, that FCE comes up with is, it's just incredible. It's, it's such a good world because similar to, um, Game of Thrones stuff, Game of Thrones is fun because they give every, um, house, every family, like a, you know, an animal or some sort of symbology. Yeah. And then what George gets to do is play with that. Right. And then all that right. symbology, you know, the Tyrells are always about growth and, and floral nature and things like that. Yeah. And, and that gets to be just sort of fun things he plays with. It's just, it's just plays on words. He does, you know, the, the, the Starks and the dire wolves that has a whole language associated, associated with it in his writing and avatar when you transition it to, to narration like this to a book you get to do so much with that he gets to play with the ideas of these earth air water earth uh, fire like those become elements he gets to trickle in and that that one quote i'm gonna find i'm gonna i'm gonna read it because i i sent it to you because i was completely freaking out there is a a part where john shu you kind of feel this is when you still like john shu you still like him and that's what the you were saying earlier the reread did a lot more for yeah. me <laughs> this this yeah. go around and this is a line that someone says to john shu and you're getting this is at a point in the book where you're like i think john shu's not so bad but there's some people out here who really don't like him and i wonder why that is and the line is do their spirits haunt you while you sleep or did you plant them deep enough in the earth did you plant them deep enough in the earth to muffle their screams <laughs> and this is what they're saying in this is not only like literally did you bury a bunch of bodies but specifically have you sowed your seed so deeply into the earth kingdom's hierarchy that you can muffle any dissension anyone who would protest against you you've muffled all of those people because you've risen to such a high power within the earth kingdom you get away with this kind of stuff that's the sort of power fce the, the power of his language in this book gets to do that kind of stuff like yeah. all the time it's incredible it's yeah. it's really incredible wow wow hey read this book okay and let your kid <laughs> read like, this book like literally at any point let your kid read this book i don't care if my kid is like eight and wants to try reading this book i'll be like yeah give it a go yeah, i don't know see how it see how it goes for you yeah i think that'd I'm, be fun and then talk with them about it and see what they're learning yeah. from it and explore that i don't know man this is just so so incredibly good yeah i mean five out of five it's 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 so good it's uh, i don't even know it's good for every it's like you we we talk about this concept of like in every book and Mm -hmm. it's it's really you know this is what we're hoping we find more of yeah um 
I mean, honestly, deep down, like if I we can read a book like this every single week, then this podcast is going to be super easy. I mean, yeah, we, we get through thirty minutes pretty, pretty <laughs> simply whenever we can talk about something we love like this. And, yeah, and also, uh, yeah, it's you know, it was easy to avoid spoilers just because it's so deep in nature. So yeah, uh, go read this book. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure we didn't spoil basically anything no, basically about anything. the book. So read it, read it with your kids. Uh, and explore these topics with them, explore this world building with them. I don't know, get the RPG and like play it with them after they've learned more about yeah. this world, like watch the show with them. There's so much in this world, in this setting that is ripe for exploration. And yeah. I just think that you should, you should totally do that with, uh, with your kids or Hey, if just by yourself, just do that. How about, how about you're an adult and feels pretty good too, just for you to read it and get yeah, really into absolutely. this stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, read it first, yeah, before you <laughs> let your kids read it, and then keep it to yourself, and then make them read it. Hide the know. book from them. Until... Hide it from them. Yeah, actually, you know what? It's your book now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, next week, I guess we're following right up with the other one, or what um, we, we might do we might we might do a little alter alternating do one. a do a short one and then Shadows of Kiyoshi. I think mm-hmm. I think we got to squeeze in a tiny one. Um, so I don't know exactly what next week's book is, but expect Shadows of Kiyoshi to come pretty soon. And honestly, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we dive into the Yang Chen one too much later. Although that is like a completely separate story, so there's no like inherent yeah, no need like, for us to go into that one right away yeah for sure yeah. well a lot of fun a lot of fun thank you all for <laughs> uh checking us out listening to us please share this show i guess i'm gonna say we haven't ej and i are just recording this together like we yeah. nothing is happening with this yet but uh, at this point i should probably ask you to share this with people if we've ever actually released it and uh yeah we we want to see if this is just something people like so tell your other friends that are parents or just people that like books and want to hear about young adult fiction or kids books or whatever um for me it's a a, an experience because i grew up not really liking young adult novels so this is really uh, my goal for this is to like gain appreciation for something i specifically i dropped out of a class in college because uh it was a kids book writing course and we did children's books, and then uh, halfway through the semester, we switched to young adult novels, and I was like, I'm out, gonna bounce, don't want to wow. do that, hate young adult novels, later. <laughs> so wow. this this show hopefully is a, is me coming back around to this as an adult and giving it a shot. Yeah, you don't even have to have a kid to be a dad, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you too can just That's be a right. dad reading books. <laughs> <laughs>